We are um, uh, looking at Deuteronomy chapter uh, 14 this morning, starting in verse 22. Hear the word of the Lord. You shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. And before the Lord your God in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. And if the way is too long for you so that you are not able to carry uh, the tithe when the Lord your God blesses you, because the place is too far from you, which the Lord your God chooses to set his name there, then you shall turn it into money and bind up the money in your hand and go to the place that the Lord your God chooses. And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves. And you shall eat there before the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. At the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, who are within your towns, shall come and eat and be filled, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Let's pray together. Gracious Father, we thank you for your holy word, which we need in our lives, that you speak truth to us. Declare to us who you are, your own character. Lead us to Christ, our Savior. And uh, challenge us and comfort us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This is our uh, second week in a four-week sermon series we are doing together as a church called Feast, which is uh, talking about the topic of generosity, about giving, in the church, and uh, if you're visiting with us today, you might hear that and say, oh, this sounds like kind of an in-house topic. I'm not sure this applies to me as a visitor, and that may be partly true, but also I think we're going to be talking a lot about the nature of who God is, God's character, and, and some of the vision of who, of, about Christ church and what this church is about. So it may be beneficial to you, but this week we're going to be talking about uh, the, top, the biblical concept of tithing. And there are a ton of questions surrounding that topic. I probably won't be able to answer every question that you might have. Maybe you have many questions about tithing. Um, uh, So this is going to be kind of a teaching-oriented sermon. I know I have main points, sub-points, and sub-sub-points in this sermon. So, um, But it's truly a beautiful passage of Scripture, and there's a lot to say about it, so I'm going to uh, jump right in. Three questions for us to consider this morning. What is a tithe? How was it used? And how, does, uh, how should we apply the tithe in our own lives? Three questions. What is the tithe? How was it used in the Old Testament? And then how does it apply in our, in our own lives? So first question for this is this morning is, what is a tithe? And this passage I just read to you comes from the book of Deuteronomy. And if you don't know Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is written on the banks of the Jordan River. The people of Israel were slaves in Egypt, and they had 
been delivered out of slavery. They'd wandered for 40 years in the wilderness, and now they're about to enter into the promised land. And so God gave them the book of Deuteronomy. He said, this is how you're going to live in the land that I'm going to take you into. And in the ancient world, it was very common when there was a landowner that the landowner would have tenants that would work his land, and the tenants would bring a portion of the produce that came from the land and give it to the landowner. And that's basically what the tithe was. You see in verse 22, it says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes uh, from the field year by year. And the tithe literally means a tenth. And so God is essentially saying, this land that you are entering into is mine. I'm the landowner, you are the tenants, and as a token that recognizes that I'm the landowner, I want you to bring me a tenth of the produce. It'll show that this is my land. Now you might ask, well, okay, there were these land promises to Israel in the Old Testament. Well, how does that apply to us now in the age of the New Testament church? Well, what happens in the New Testament is all the land promises of the Old Testament are expanded to not just be this little strip of land in Palestine, but to include the whole earth. And so Jesus says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit what? Not just this little piece of land, they will inherit the whole earth. And the whole earth is the Lord's. And so a tithe is a way of saying that not just the promised land belongs to God, but the whole earth is his. And God's intention was that through the tithe, his people would learn about him more deeply. And you notice that note in, in there in the end of verse 23 where it says, that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. The tithe trained God's people to revere him, to behold his power, his wisdom, his majesty. So tithing it was a spiritual discipline. How do you have a relationship with God? How do you know God? A part of it was this discipline that God had given to his people. And so what exactly does the tithe teach us about God? Okay, the tithe has a spiritual discipline. It teaches about who God is. What does it say about him? Well, first, of course, it tells us that he owns everything. So my job, my house, my clothes, my possessions, all my income that I have, all of this comes because of his generous hand. You know, I have this job because he found an opportunity for me to work there and he made that business prosper so that they had money to pay me or he provided an education, gave me a background where I could get an education, I could get a job or he made connections for me. All of these things come from him and this is a way of saying that everything I have has been entrusted to me by the one who owns everything. But the second thing that the tithe, this is maybe a little more surprising, teaches us, is it teaches us about God's generosity. Because we tend to think that God is greedy. You know, he wants to get our stuff. And uh, that he's going to be a greedy landowner who will try to impose an unbearable tax on us for our you know, borrowing his possessions. That's how all the other landowners were in the ancient Near East, is they would, you know, they'd oppress their tenants who had their land, and they'd extract these huge, huge taxes from them. But what does this passage say instead about God? Look at what it says in verse 23. And before the Lord your God, in the place that he will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall eat the tithe of your grain, of your wine, and of your oil, and the firstborn of your herd and flock. The Lord is not like any landlord who ever lived. He says, I want a portion of the, <laughs> your produce in the land, 
and then I want you to eat it. <laughs> he doesn't want it. He said, I want you to bring it, and then I want you to eat it in front of me. And why does he say that? Why doesn't God want it? He's not hungry. <laughs> He's not needy. He doesn't need anything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So even though the Lord intends for us to bring a portion of our tithe and to say that everything belongs to him, he still, and then he's going to give it back to them and he's going to have them eat it, he still wants us to go through this process because it teaches us through the process what he's like. That's one of his goals. So what is the tithe? It's a portion of the produce that God's people brought to the Lord to acknowledge that all they have is his. Now, there's something important to recognize about this passage, in particular in Deuteronomy, is that in Israel there were multiple tithes. And actually in this passage, there are three tithes that are described. So the first one, the one we just read about, is you might call it the festival tithe, where everyone brings a tithe and then they eat it before the Lord. And then in verse 27, it says this, And you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. Now, this is a reference to Numbers chapter 18, uh, where Numbers chapter 18 says that Israel is to bring a tithe to the Levites. The Levites, when all God's people went into the promised land, they each got a chunk of land. Each tribe got a chunk of land, except for the Levites. They didn't get a chunk of land. And they were dispersed among all the people. And so the people had to provide a tenth of their produce to share it with the Levites. You could call that the Levitical tithe. So you have the Festival tithe, you have the Levitical tithe. And then you have in verse 28, another tithe. And at, at the end of every three years, you shall bring out all the tithe of your produce in the same year and lay it up within your towns. And the Levite, because he has no portion or inheritance with you, and the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in the work of your hands that you do. There's a third tithe that's given every three years to, to the poor. And this means that in some years, God's people are expected to give away as much as 30% of their produce. And actually, above that, all the farmers were called to leave on the edge of their you know, farms, leave fruit on the vine so that the poor could come by and glean. So they were all supposed to give away you know, kind of the edges of their produce as well, as well. And so you might hear that and you say, are you saying that the Bible expects me to give away 30% of my income. It's complicated answer because there's not an exact parallel between Israel in the Old Testament and the church in the New Testament. One big difference is that Israel in the Old Testament was a church-state nexus. The, Israel was the church and the state combined into one. And so some of these tithes are, might be what we, when we in taxes, we pay taxes to, to our government who provide a you know, social security net for people who are vulnerable. That's part of what they were doing in this passage. And so someone might hear that and say, well, gosh, I pay a lot of taxes. Maybe I don't need to tithe. I'm already giving my contribution. Well, the Bible doesn't say that either. You know, there's other places in the Bible, for example, in the book of Malachi, there's a whole discussion about the tithe. And in Malachi's day, Israel was living under the Persians. And I'll tell you, they paid taxes to the Persians. They paid a portion of the Persians. And yet the Lord says, you still need to bring a tithe. And then Jesus says in his day to the, Pharise you know, the Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, that you, you tithe out of your, 
you know, mint and cumin all the way down to your spice rack, you tithe. And then he says, uh, and he says, you should still do that. You should do that. And they were living under the Romans. They were paying taxes to the Romans. And so Jesus says, you give to Caesar what is Caesar, you give to God what is God's. What all this means is that the concept of tithing is complex, ethical question from the Bible. But I still think the principle of basically one in ten is instructive for Christians today in the same way that one in seven is instructed. We're supposed to work six days and give a day to rest and to worship. And that's a, that's a guideline for us. So with our time, we have a one in seven guideline. With our money, we have a one in ten guideline. And I think another reason why the tithe applies to us still in the church today is for, because of the second question we're going to answer. So first, what is the tithe? It's the bringing a tenth to say to the Lord, everything belongs to him. Second, how is the tithe used? And there are three main purposes for the tithe that we see in this passage. The first purpose of the tithe was community formation through feasts or parties, we might, <laughs> might be our word to use. And the Lord tells them to take the tithe and throw a giant party with it before him. And you'll see how he describes the party in verse 26. This is what it says. And spend the money for whatever you desire, oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink, whatever your appetite craves, and you shall eat there before the Lord and rejoice, you and all your household. Now, I'm just reading this text. It sounds like you're supposed to buy some good meat that you like, that's good to eat, that you should buy beer and wine, and maybe it's a strong drink. This is one of those passages where he commands, he says, you should buy some strong, maybe there's a cocktail bar there, I don't know. And all the kids should be there playing before the Lord because the Lord loves to watch his children joyful and enjoying his good gifts together. That is pleasing to him. And so you might wonder, do we do this? Certainly not to this extent, and probably not enough. This is probably something we need more in our life together as a church. And I think if we're honest, we'd say the Lord says, I want you to take your tithe and throw parties with it. And now back in uh, February, we had a preview sermon about this whole, uh, this whole sermon series. And one of the things I had said back then was, this, these sermons are not just for us as individuals about how are giving. There's also instruction for us as a congregation as a whole. How do we spend the tithe that's brought to us? There's probably some instruction here. And of course, we're starting that in two weeks from today. There's going to have to be a big party. So you got to do what Deuteronomy 14 says. Come to the party and be a part of it. Um, but you know, some people in our church threw a neighborhood party for our neighborhood. Maybe we need to, you know, Fun that some more. Make it, make it even bigger. So invite our neighbors. So that's, that's one picture of what's happening with the tithe. Second thing of how the tithe is used, very simply, it's used to pay church staff. And you'll notice that twice there is mention of the Levites in this passage, verse 27, and you shall not neglect the Levite who is within your towns, for he has no portion or inheritance with you. And again in verse 29, and the Levite... 
And the Levites were ordained to serve in the tabernacle. They would help the priests, the priests who'd bring the offerings and sacrifices to uh, to the Lord. And then, but the Levites were also dispersed into all the towns. So you'd have a local Levite, and the Levites would teach God's people about what God's word says. And they'd say, you know, this is what Deuteronomy says, and this is what God did for us when we were slaves in Egypt, and remind the people of who God was. And um, and the book of Numbers says that a full tithe was to be given to the Levites to provide for them as they gave their lives to serving the Lord. And I think that that mention of the Levites within your town, give to the Levites in your town, the Levite that you know, that lives down the street, that's in your village, the Levite that you go to for counseling, or the Levite who you know, teaches your Bible study and that is investing in you, that you have a relationship with. This is a part of where, where the tithes should go. Now, I, I'll mention, if you give more to the church, I don't get a raise. That's not what this is about. What it is about, though, is we could have more church staff if we had more giving, more of a tithe. And we could hire someone to work out in the Birchwood neighborhood and help us serve our neighborhood. We could have someone who helped us with congregational care or counseling, and we could care for one another better. We could have someone who invests in our youth and disciples the many youth we have in this church. We could have a permanent music person who really thinks through our music. There is so much. Actually, I was talking to Nathaniel Thompson, our RUF college minister, in between services, and he says, you know, we would have a RUF college ministry at every college in the Pacific Northwest in just a couple of years. It's simply a matter of money. That's an interesting thought. We think of God's kingdom as this purely spiritual thing, and there is certain ministry that's not done simply because there, is, there aren't funds for that. So that's an important thing for us to realize. And so I think this relates to one question about tithing. Who should I tithe to? Should a tithe be only to my local church, my local congregation? Our elders discuss that topic quite a bit. What is our church's stance of where your tithe should go? And what they said was that, we think that your tithes should primarily go towards your local church. That maybe should be the biggest place of your, of your giving. If we had a church full of people who all gave away 10% of their income to God's kingdom in any ministry, we would be thrilled about that. But we also recognize that this is the most central place of our spiritual lives is this congregation and the work that's happening here. This is the, the ministry that I'm participating in. And so it makes sense that primarily our giving would go here. And I think one thing to, uh, it may be important information for you. I know when I became a Christian, I went to a church. I was always kind of like, how do they get these buildings? And where do the who pays the pastors? How do the pastors eat and have food? I didn't really have any idea how it worked. And I figured, you know, this is a Presbyterian church. They probably have a denomination that sends them money and they have an endowment or something. I don't really know. You might think that about our church. So it's probably helpful information. No, we don't have, get a dollar from any denomination. This is us. <laughs> We're doing this. It's people in this congregation. I had someone in our church mention to me a couple of years ago. They said I could share this, that they really didn't occur to them that the only way you can have a church is it's dependent on the members of the congregation on a month-to-month basis giving a tithe. That's how a church actually happens. That's how our church happens, crowdsourced, you know. Uh, so 
that's the second thing. So, so you have these community feasts. You have people that are discipling us, teaching us God's word is what the tithes. The third thing that the tithes use for is care for the poor. See that verse, the second half of verse 29. And the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are within your towns shall come and eat and be filled that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands that you do. Now this triad there, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow, that's common throughout the Old Testament. That God has a special love and heart for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And he wants them to be cared for. And it's hard to overstate how significant this verse is. This is an innovation in human history, this verse that you're reading right now. Actually, let me read one commentator, put it this way. We might call this verse in, in Deuteronomy the beginning of real social legislation. It represents the first known tax for a social program. That's an amazing, in human history, the first known tax for a social program. With it, those who are landless and socially weak received a sure support, which was guaranteed by law and public oath to bring agricultural produce. It's important for us to recognize, if you're a person who has a social conscience, you know, you think the poor should be taken care of, those who are weak, those who can't provide, those who are on the margins of society should be built up and lifted up. And if you think you think, believe that because you have a good heart or you're good-natured, history tells us humanity doesn't have a good nature, a good heart. They don't care for the weak. That was passed down to you culturally. You learned that somewhere. And it began in Deuteronomy. God wanted this for his people. This is the vision that he had for his people to care for them. And this passage in Deuteronomy is part of a broader section. If you go into Deuteronomy 15, it'd be great if you wanted this afternoon. Go read Deuteronomy 15. And it gives this beautiful picture of what it looks like to care uh, for the poor. And if you've, again, if you've had the thought, you know, this passage is in the Old Testament. What does the Old Testament have to do with us? In Deuteronomy 15, the next paragraph, it says these words. There shall be no poor among you. And you shall open wide your hand to your brother, to the needy, and to the poor. That passage of Deuteronomy 15 is quoted in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, when the church starts, this is what it says about the church, there was not a needy person among them. Deuteronomy was fulfilled in the church, through Jesus in the church. That's when it happened. And so how, the, how is, was the tithe used? It's used for this community life of meals and parties, it paying ministry leaders and church workers, people that have given their lives to the service of the Lord and caring for the poor. And it's important to acknowledge that all three of those things that were a part of ancient Israel's Old Testament life are a part of our life together now in the church. All these things we see the early church doing, feasting together, church leaders who are discipling people and caring for the poor, but then, there's one other financial responsibility that the New Testament church had on top of those three things, was the sending of missionaries. The New Testament church also started funding and supporting missionaries. Now, we're going to have a sermon on that in two weeks, so I'm going to talk more about it there. But again, the, chap the paragraph right after this in chapter 15 in Deuteronomy says these words, For the Lord your God will bless you as he promised you, and you shall lend to many nations. 
Already in Deuteronomy, there was a vision that God wanted to bring his blessing to all the nations. It's already built in there. And so it's important for us to ask this question. Is it possible for us to do the mission that Jesus has given to us, that the Bible has given to us, without tithing? I think the answer is no. I don't think it's possible. Our wealth has been entrusted to us by God to be used by him to make communities like this. And we have to recognize that as a church family. And so this raises our third question. How then does the tithe apply to our individual lives? And I think that we should understand the tithe both as a statement of God's law and a statement of God's gospel, God's grace. And the law and the gospel function differently in our spiritual lives, so I want to explain them individually, okay? So first of all, the tithe is a statement of God's law, and I know that the word law might be a turnoff to some of you, you might not like that word, but historically Christians have said that God's law functions in our lives in three ways. It does three things. The first thing is that God's law is a mirror to us. God's law shows us God's character and then shows us ourselves. And I think the average person among us, if you ask them, you know, are you a generous person? I think most of us say, yeah, I'm a good guy. I want to help people out. I think I'm pretty generous. And uh, how do you know whether that's true? We look in the mirror of God's law. And some of you may do that, look in the mirror and say, wow, God has provided abundantly for me and I haven't given anywhere near 10% of my income to his kingdom or to his church or to the poor. And when God's law shows us that, it shows us um, I'm not as generous as I thought. And so it drives us to Jesus. What is Jesus going to do when you come to him and say, you know what, I'm not generous. I care about myself serving myself. What is he going to do? He's going to wash you. He's going to forgive you. He's going to embrace you. And that's the, the hard, the law is a hard word that shows us how badly we need Jesus, and it leads us to him. So the tithe is first uses a mirror for us. Second use of the law is that the law stops injustice. So it would have been used that way in the Old Testament, that the weak would not be oppressed. And so the law made sure that the weak and the the socially uh, kind of marginalized were being cared for. The third use of the law is that the law is a guide for the Christian life. For the person whose heart has been changed and they say, you know, Jesus has been generous to me. How can I be generous back to him? The law is a guide for us. And I think, you know, many people become Christians. Maybe this is you. And you say, you know, I became a Christian and now I... I feel like I should be maybe give some money away. How much does God, what does God expect from me? What should I do? Give me a starting point. And the rule of thumb that, that the Bible gives us is one in 10. And I use that language of rule of thumb carefully because the Bible has a complexity to it. We should not use God's law mechanically. Because there may be some of you here that you hear about a tithe and you say, well, I never heard about that. I didn't know I was supposed to do that. And you say, you know what? I'm going to start next week. I'm going to start giving 10%. And actually, that happened to me. That happened to me. One guy confronted me and said, you're supposed to give 10%. I just did it. And it was a time of my life. It was able to do it. And God's provided ever since. And I've done that ever since. Some of you may have a lot more wealth. And you say, I shouldn't be giving 10% away. 
I should be giving a lot more than 10% away. That might be what you'd hear. That might be how you're guided by the Spirit. Some of you might say, though, you know, I don't tithe. I don't think I can tithe. I, I can't get food, hardly get food on my table. And to take 10% of my income and take that away, I just, I don't even know how that would work. Well, one thing, to, there's no way you could read this passage and think that God lays heavy burdens on the poor or the vulnerable. That is not God's heart in this passage. There's no way we could read it that way. The goal of this season that we're in together as a church on generosity is not necessarily that all of us are going to immediately start tithing. It's that we are all together, that we would look into the mirror of God's word, we'd be honest with ourselves about this, and together just make a plan to say, how do I want to grow in my giving? And each of us do that. That's all of our leaders are doing that. I'm doing that. And, and say, how do I want to grow in my live, giving? And so that means if you give away 2% of your income to God's kingdom, taking that time to say, is that where I want to be in three years, giving away 2% of my income? Maybe I'm going to try for next year to do 4% or 5%. And I'm going to add a little on. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to see how he provides for me. And I want to grow. And I would say, even if you're not at a place where you're ready to give a full tithe, starting to think in terms of a portion or a percentage of my income, because there's a justice that God has built into thinking of a portion, because it, then we're all the same, right? If you make a lot of money, then you give more. If you make less money, then you give less. If you get a raise, then your giving goes up with your raise. If you lose your job, then your giving goes down because your income went down. And it's a sense in which we're all giving the same amount. It's democratic in that way. And it says that generosity also is an important topic for each one of us. Now, one of the things to notice about this is that one thing the law does not do is change your heart. The law is a mirror that can show you your heart. If you have a changed heart already, the law can be a guide for you. The law does not change your heart. Hearing Deuteronomy say you need to give away 10% of your income does not change your heart, does not make you generous. It is only the grace of Jesus that makes you that way. And so that's the last thing, is how the tithe is a statement of God's grace. And you look at the elements in this passage, what does this remind you of? Look at verse 23. You shall eat the tithe of your grain and your wine. It's bread and wine. It's what the Lord wants them to eat before them this picture of Christ himself. And then the Levites, we know in the New Testament that the Levites, we don't have Levites anymore because Jesus is now our high priest. He's the high priest. And the Levites remind us, whoa, Jesus. So the meal that they're having points us to Jesus. The Levites, they point us to Jesus. And then he says, care for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And we read through the Bible. Who in the Bible did that? cared for the marginalized and the weak, who came to him and showed compassion on them. were like, that was the heart of Jesus. That was Christ who did that. And what this is describing is a whole culture or world where the whole community is singing about the goodness of Christ. And what's happened to each one of us, if you've come here and experienced God's love, God's compassion, God's grace, it wasn't because of your tithe. It was because of the tithe of the body of Christ. Jesus, through his church, people have given, and it's created a community that you were immersed in. And you saw that Jesus is kind to the broken. 
Jesus is forgiving, even to the greedy. And that's the thing that the, 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 the tithe is intended to do, is create a world where we are immersed in the gospel. We are immersed in God's grace, and when we are immersed in that, we, are learn, we learn that we are no longer slaves in Egypt, but we are children of the living God, and he will always care and provide for us. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you for these challenging words. Lord, we thank you that you know each one of us, the different places that we come to approaching a passage like this. You know the challenge it is for us to trust you to provide for us. Lord, we pray that in your grace you would guide us as we meditate on these things, that we would know your faithfulness, your goodness, your generosity, that our hearts would be moved and warmed by it. So we give ourselves to you in Christ's name. Amen.